Hey, folks. I want to uh, take a moment and uh, remind everybody before we get to the podcast here that uh, one of the things I think is really important here, and I'm hoping that people will uh, jump in on supporting this, is that uh, accessibility is a big deal. And there are a lot of people who cannot partake in the podcast without the process of creating transcriptions. And, uh, you know, transcriptions cost money. Basically, they cost about 100 bucks an episode. So far for this season, there are two people who have uh, contributed to that. And I would certainly love it if other folks who are enjoying this podcast and, you know, are committed to the idea of making sure that everybody can have equal access to all the different kinds of things out there. Um, check out the links in the show notes. You can go to buy me a coffee. You can use PayPal. If you're in Canada, you can use an e-transfer. Any which way you cut it, uh, please jump in and support this process because I think it's really important. And I think that uh, those of us who benefit without these obstacles, uh, you know, if we can, it falls to us to uh, help make sure everybody else can get it. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Hermitstack Podcast. Today I'm hanging out with Christy C. Rhodes, who is the creator of the uh, Next World Tarot, which is a really fascinating and I think really radical deck that's come out. I think it's one of the more um, fascinating sort of pushes away from, you know, the the world of sort of standard uh, beauty standards, street culture, uh, you know, and, and sort of brings all sorts of real deep, profound radicalness to it, which is something that I'm, I'm always curious about. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I'm interested in who's out there doing stuff differently, who's really thinking deeply about tarot magic and all this kind of stuff. And Christy's one of those people who's who's really done a lot of deep thinking about it. So I want to have them on for this conversation. So, but for folks who don't know you, Christy, um, you want to give us a quick introduction? Um, yeah, I'm Christy Rode. I um, it's hard to give an introduction. I'm a Gemini with a Cancer rising and Moon, and uh-huh. a Gemini Mercury. Um, so it's real easy for me to turn a very small question into like an hour uh, presentation about um, my deepest feelings. Um, so I'll try not to do that. Um, but yeah, I'm an illustrator and a writer and a musician. And I, um, I try I, my whole life. I've just kind of um, tried to merge everything and, and use everything um, to communicate whatever it is I'm, um, kind, you know, lost in. And um, my life, my life as an artist, just creating, you know, started around 96, 97 um, with my zine, the green zine. And it was all about Green Day and 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 kind of the concept of, of selling out and how everybody would, like hated Green Day for signing to a major label and there was this and you know I, I was I was like young at the time I was like fifteen and just you know had these like 
um, very new feelings about punk rock community. Um, and I eventually, you know, became a part of a community that, that, you know, focused and like on making art, creating, telling your story, writing your songs, making your art and not expecting um, uh, money or stability from it, but community um, and revolution and education. And that was, that became my goal as an artist um, after creating the zine. And, and you know, I, I was old, but I was always just very proud of um, Green Day for getting big and, and becoming this beloved, you know, rock band. Um, and I hated that people got shit for um, growing with their careers, especially poor people. Um, and, um, you know, women and people of color and queer people who just want to like exist in the world and, and be visible. And especially in the 90s, it was like, you you know, it just felt kind of fucked up that these punks were going to like judge certain people for making decisions that had to do with growth, you know, and, and stability and, and having children and, 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 you know, like supporting their children. Um, so it's like, oh, yeah, I'll sign to this major label so then I can like um, feed myself and my family. And I think that judging that just felt really classist. So I wrote a zine about it, it's called The Green Zine. And I was 15, so it's, um, and then that kind of evolved into um, stories about my, my life and my, my trauma. And I, I think it all started when I started experiencing um, sexism in the punk rock scene with, um, it was kind of like the, the 10th issue of the zine. And I was just getting into these, shitty relationships and I was like processing them in, in public you know as a Gemini Mercury um it was really interesting because I my I, I don't know I just I'm so private in regular life I even my social media I don't really like posting that many videos of myself I like feel really weird about it and mm -hmm. um um but I you know I I like um to just um continue um <clears throat> creating and doing all the the stuff that I mean to do um so let me, let me, I continue I'm to do you. that and okay because 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 you, you basically number one just told me you're gonna you could talk for an hour and we're here for an hour so yeah, that's yeah, great. I, I'm like but, still, and I'm still at my teen years yeah but but I but I think I think one of the things that's really interesting actually that you touched on is this sort of idea of, you know, I mean, number one, you know, I know your work is about sort of supporting change, supporting big change, changing society, you know, and all that kind of stuff on the one hand. And, and I think that this question of like, what do we do? Like, what does Green Day do? What do you do? How do we find some way to sustain ourselves? And, and support each other, even when there's growth and profit and, and these kinds of things. And, you know, I think, it's I think it, a, yeah, I just think it's such a, it's such a difficult thing. And we see that we see it in, obviously like in punk communities for sure. Like I, you know, I'm older than you. So my punk years were earlier than your years, but you know, same thing like zine in high school, hanging out at concerts, trying to figure out all that kind of stuff and like trying to change the world and so on. And you know, and a lot of people just basically, yeah, like as soon as you, instead of having community that can grow with people, it's, you know, there was a lot of community that if you, you know, weren't hardcore enough or weren't whatever enough, then you were out. And it's like, well, how is that, how does that work? How does that 
change the world if we're well, I, yeah i do get certain um like i understand you know like i said i i re um connected with or i i, I you know i eventually connected with um diy um anarchist punk community mm -hmm. um and that became my life it became it's still you know it's my values and and I just, you know, I, I'm just aware that I'm surviving, you know, in the United States under capitalism and I, and I want to feed myself and I want to live. Um, but I do think there's still this very important notion of um, uh, sacredness um, to certain kinds of music. Um, and it could be implemented, you know, punk or hip hop or I don't know, poetry, like so much different kinds of art um, are meant to be underground because they're meant to be this exchange within a community. And if you are, you know, you're playing a benefit show to, to, to you know, raise funds for a, a local like women's shelter, for example, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, raising funds for any kind of local cause, you become a part of the community. And that is how you create change through your music and through, and then, you know, but then there's the aspect of writing a song that inspires people and keeps people alive. And mm -hmm. I think that that is what gets um, erased when bands are like accused of selling out and just because they grew, mm -hmm. um, because it's not, it's, it's like selling out to, to me is, is like becoming a puppet of the media and changing your entire um, like way of presenting yourself to appeal to something as opposed to, you know, you're excited to, to be this new version of yourself. Um, which happens really organically. And in Green Day's case, like I think the American Idiot era, um, all these punks are like, yeah, I don't listen to anything past, you know, warning. Yeah. And like, you know, and it's so dumb and like yeah. pointless. It's kind of like a pointless feeling. It's like, 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 okay, that is an experience that you have, but it doesn't make you better than other people. Sure. Um, because you don't appreciate musical theater and rock operas and I just feel like Green Day decided to write a fucking rock opera and wear fun outfits and like you know like I feel like it's really annoying um when when and I you know it's I don't know I think it's really annoying when people get attacked for um becoming flashier or becoming um this different version of themselves as you know because it's like that version isn't always evil it isn't always out to like you know, like coddle capitalism and then ignore everything else. Sometimes it's just about being femme and fun and mm -hmm. wearing eyeliner. So it's like, fuck you, you know? And I, I feel that way when I like dress up and wear pumps and a gown to like do a show and it's like, oh, Christy's all like, what, you're, you're all like fancy now. And it's like, no, I'm just having a fucking good ass time. Yeah, and yeah. you're being um, kind of misogynist for one, what, like, sorry, I'm not wearing like a, an anarchist like anarchist patches all over my jacket that I haven't washed my car hearts, you know, like, I, I just feel like there's this, there was this, um, a lot of like dogmatic rules as far as like how to be a person in anarchist punk community. Um, however, there is this really important sacredness that, um, a lot of bands and a lot of people, um, including myself are going to continue, um, to, to talk about and, and try to create, whether it's by playing a show or by doing a piece of art for, or like being a part of something, being a part of a mm. local thing. Like I do posters and stuff for local, like other people's things all the time. And 
Um, and it's like a lot of benefit stuff that it's like, nobody's making money, you know, it's just kind of sure. like being a part of that community. Um, but yeah, we still live in the world and we still have to pay our bills. So yeah. um, it's an honor and it's magical when a band or an artist gets to like live off of that. But, um, but you know, I've experienced a lot of that too. Like people being like, you're, you're a poser now that you blah, 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 blah. Um, I remember being called a poser when I started using um, um, computers for certain parts of my art. And it, I was just like, like, I, I get it, but it's not like I'm like doing, it's like, I get that you miss the traditional media. Like I miss it too. I, I ended up quitting most computers, Like the whole mm. um, next world tarot is all ink and marker and paint, but I'm not going to attack the like 6 million, you know, Gen Z tablet illustrators. Well, and um, I think, I also think that like, one of the challenges with that sort of perspective, right, is like, have, you know, anarchist punks of this time frame reached the pinnacle of evolution and, and wisdom and understanding of everything? Of course not, right? Like, we're always, like... I'm sure some have, some badass, you know. Maybe, maybe, right? Um, but, but also, I like, just like to think, um, sorry, no, I, I just like to think that the wisdom carried by like, um, like youth, like anarchist youth who are like black, indigenous people of color. Like, I think that the stuff that my crew as friends, as, as women of color were learning and writing in our zines was, I look at that shit now and I'm like, you know, why wasn't anybody listening to us? Like, sure. we, this is the shit that like, like we all are still fucking talking about. Yeah. And yeah, and it's really important for us to to honor the wisdom of a lot of, you know, like like radical thought um, mm -hmm. that does exist in um, in the world now and back then, and like absolutely. Um, and and I don't want to diminish any of that, right? But I also think that if we look back, you know, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, fifty years, right? Like people have changed, and what is and we've accessed more through the work of all those people along the way, more wisdom, deeper wisdom, and so on. And there, there can be in, in a variety of communities sort of this notion that we've kind of, when we've hit the edge and anybody who drifts from it, whatever, is no longer part of it, or they're, as we say, a poser and these kinds of things. But, but if we look at history, we know that we're only, you know, if we continue to engage in radical thought and, and, you know, in actually being punk rock, we're gonna change and our ideas are gonna expand and what we're aware of is gonna change and grow too, right? Like it's never, there's no, yeah. there's no constant destination which we can arrive at and be like, now I'm, now I'm the most radical punk person thing ever. Like that's, that's just an illusion as well, right? Like that's just part of the, in some ways, like that's part I think of it's the, important for everyone to just strive to be, you know, the most conscious version of themselves. Yeah, exactly. um, And like, whatever that looks like is, is always valid because everybody has these different experiences that like pushes us to um, comply with the system. Like whether we're disabled or parents or, you know, need healthcare. Like, I don't, I feel like I can, I have the privilege of being this, like, I'm just a self-employed artist. I didn't do taxes for most of my life. And I just started doing them recently because of like doing them in a, in a kind of like intentional way. 
um, because I started making more money on the books um, through my work. And it wasn't just a lot of like under the table art stuff. Um, So it was just kind of like, I, and then the older I got and the more like my health deteriorated and I just needed to start investing in things. You know, like when I tour with my band, um, we stay at Airbnbs. I can't just sleep on floors and couches anymore. I'm all like broken. Yeah. And, um, but, but yeah, so it's like all these things that like I, I need uh, money for and I need stability for. Um, so it's like my, um, my acceptance of, of things and of things that I don't even support, you know, um, it, it like changes because it's, or, or it's like, or it's just the way you, you judge institutions, people, because you see um, their needs are, are different than, you know, if you don't have any responsibilities, then it's kind of easy to live off the grid or, the, you know, or it's like, there's a lot of like ability required to do certain things that are like um, things that I dreamt of when I was younger, living off the grid and, and just mm-hmm. kind of not caring about being famous or making money off my art. I never even thought about making money off um, the tarot deck. I, I actually went to grad school while working on it so I can get more professor jobs. And I did get one, a really awesome one, but I haven't gotten one since. And um, the tarot deck and like just that, and then illustration, my freelance work because of the tarot deck has like blown up since mm-hmm. that. So I'm super grateful. Like I'm so grateful. And I try to not be morbid about how much I don't like capitalism and social media and like branding and pushing pushing us to be like products, you know, sure. how social media pushes us to be products. And back in the day, it was like, we could just be artists. And like, mm-hmm. our product is our product, our book, our record, like, you know, that's what we're selling, but we're not selling our personalities unless if we want to be talk show hosts. Yeah. And now it's like, if you're an artist, you have to be a talk show host. And I just think that's weird. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, I want to, I'm so tempted to make really sarcastic videos because I think that I can be really funny and I can be really entertaining and I can do these really fun things and make people laugh and have more followers but it's like that's not what I that's not what I want to be known for I want to be appreciated I want my friends to like my goddamn personality you know and I want when I do a performance I want it to be like a fun surprise like my personality and my stage presence Mm -hmm. and or you know performance and interview like stuff like that like I'm just like I guess I'm old and I'm just like not not trying to be um seen every goddamn day <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's a lot um and that's a lot and it's like if you choose to do that that's awesome and that's the route sure. that you're choosing and and I feel like there is so many um I, I just kind of think that a lot of consciousness has shifted and maybe like you know values that are um traditionally um just anarchist anti-capitalist values um I think that like the conversation of these specific issues like anti-racism, homophobia, and just all this stuff has become mainstream uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. So um, there's like this really big blur now, like the lines have blurred for me, a person, you know, I see women of color and and trans people like on on TikTok and then they're not punks but they're talking about all the stuff that the punks were talking about 20 years ago because they're important issues that we all need to raise, you know, and these are people who are like living these experiences and talking about them. So I feel like 
I don't know. I, I just have a lot of feelings about um, the fact that capitalism and, and technology and all, all these things just kind of like became greater than um, a lot of um, institutions and, and platforms that we used to give a lot of like power to, like books. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of well, even Even things. books are diminished in some ways now because yeah. anybody can publish a book. You can go on Amazon and upload your PDF and boom, you've got a book that's published. Oh, right? on Amazon. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. It's like a, you know, mm -hmm. there's, it's like now everybody has access. Like every, it should be that way. It shouldn't just be like the punks who can steal copies, like who feel sure. confident enough to steal the key card at Kinko's um, and like take a giant magnet to like, like, change the the key the count of copies to like get free copies and print your 500 zines yeah um it's like that was just kind of the way that we did self-publishing you know 25 years ago and um now it's just like everybody can self-publish everybody can do and have a voice in mm -hmm. public and that's awesome and that's so important for the world and um i think um my only problem is like it being linked, um, I don't know, just how, like it, like the, um, the, like the existence of, I'll, okay, I'll just, I'll just say that again. Yeah. Um, I think that the main problem is that social media kind of like decides what we should do. Like suddenly there was this big change with the video formats on Instagram. So I can't really share long tarot videos anymore. Like they don't get shared yeah. on the, on, you know, so it's like, I guess I have to pay to do an ad for it. Um, yeah, but see, I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not going to pay money unless I'm like promoting a big deal, you know, like I'll do that when the tarot is re-released or if I have a new book out or something, but yeah. Yeah, the, the way in which the algorithm determines what we get shown is is the problem, right? Like the rest of it. I mean, if if the algorithm was, well, it determines what we share. It, because both, if right? I post yeah. art that's um, not the thing, my algorithm, for example, share photos. If it's like a photo, if it's a photo of me. Um, and like it's like really staged or um there's some kind of sexuality to it some kind of like like hot outfit if mm -hmm. and like that gets shared um if i have a photo um you know my green day content only gets shared if it's photos of me in like a green day with a green day or in a green day space yeah. But drawings of Green Day do not get shared. Drawings of music only get shared if it has a tarot vibe. Like I made a drawing of Grace Jones and that got very shared, just like whatever. Um, but then I had a drawing of somebody who wasn't as famous that was not shared. And it's just like this really annoying thing. And then the drawings, for example, have to have like a queer sex theme yeah. um, for them to get shared. But if it's just like, you know, stuff I get hired for a lot, which is like um, this right here, for example, here's a drawing, this um, 
it's a drawing for um, free our mothers campaign, and it was about um, women in prison, mm -hmm. um, mothers in prison particularly. And it's a a drawing of a woman um, just with her fist raised, and it's very floral and colorful, and it, it looks like a, a tarot card. Um, so you would think the algorithm would be okay with it, but it was not because mm -hmm. it's it's very bizarre that suddenly I can't even share like. Like this, you know, the page of wands, for example, is, is a hard sell because it's just like a woman chilling in nature. It's like there has to be some kind of a like product. It has to be a product, a new announcing a new product or it has to be sexual. Yeah. And it's insane because then there's also all these like- But it can't be too sexual, laws. right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, there's so much anti-porn um, uh, censorship right mm -hmm. now. So it's just like- it's so wild. I just, I can't handle it. Yeah. So what's and the answer? More punk rock, I, more for local, me, more community? No, I think, I mean, yeah. Well, I think that that's always consistent for me to always continue with, um, you know, caring about my community and showing up yeah. for my community in these ways and showing up for the world. Um, which, you know, I, I think that like, it's okay for artists or any public person to have eras of not wanting to be seen, not wanting to participate. And I'm, an, I'm, I'm there right now. I feel really exhausted with um, um, doing things in person as an artist. And I just need a little moment of self-preservation. So I just wanna do a lot of art in my yeah. house and in my studio and just not, um, you know, show up for that way. Um, and I'm just really there right now. And um, another thing with the algorithm is that my music never gets shared. Mm. Uh, it has to be a hot selfie with my guitar. Um, and, and it's, I'm kind of, I'm at a point where I'm like, you know what, like I'm only gonna promote stuff with, um, you know, these these reels and TikTok and all, like it's like a format, it's like the only format that is allowed now. But sure. I think it is a format that sucks your soul out because it requires so much sound. And mm. I think that's rude and weird. Like, why does everything have to have sound? Yeah, um, well, I think- And I know. think like sometimes with accessibility, it's like, like, yeah, okay, great. It's great to have that option. But now we're gonna cut off this whole other option. And that's accessibility for other people, yeah. like visuals with no sure. sound. I cannot with the sound. I don't want any sound on my social media experience. Yeah, no, I leave the sound off when I'm flipping through. But I think it also really impacts a lot of like, it's, it dictates, well, people, it makes it possible only for people who are really naturally inclined in that way or able to sort of force themselves into that, which is not really my inclination. You know, I do this podcast and you know, I know I could have more listeners if I made it 20 minutes long and if I forced it to be kind of very sound bitey and, and all these kinds of things. And I'm just like, fuck that. That's not what I'm actually interested in. Like to me, that's, if that was what doing a podcast was, I would just not do a podcast anymore. Right. And yeah. So instead, yeah. No, I totally feel that way. Right? And so instead I do these podcasts that are, you know, an hour long and, you know, I think that there's a lot of really great stuff that comes from that and really important conversations and, you know, but it doesn't work it's on TikTok and doesn't get, get much traction on Instagram and so on. But 
you know, that's whatever. You can't, you can't live. I mean, you can if it's your business, but for me, I'm like, I can't, I can't dictate what I want to do based on that kind of stuff. Right. Like to me, that doesn't really make any sense, you know, and same with like all the other projects that I do. There's like a, a scope at which I'm like, nah, I'm not interested in that. That's not, that's not going to fly for me, you know? And and I'm sure it's, I'm sure that in some ways, you know, sort of having a sense of your art and your creativity and so on, that, that it's kind of the same for you, right? There are things where people come to you and just be like, why, why did you think I would do that? That's not me. Like, that's not where I'm at. That's not what my thing is about, you know? Um, I mean, people don't really interact with me much. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, which I feel very lucky that nobody's been like, I have friends that like will be like, oh, you you should post more videos of yourself. That's kind of, but it's because they're they're just giving advice on surviving in capitalism. It's kind of like it's it's taught me to not complain about bills on front of people because I, uh -huh. I don't want to hear that advice. I understand that if I like made if I had more of a like commercially presence mm -hmm. on Instagram, like I could sell a lot more art. Mm -hmm. um but yeah it, it it um makes me depressed and makes me feel like I'm not the person I want to be yeah. and I'd rather just get a part-time job or you know because it's all of also if it's about for me it's always about um selling merch mm -hmm. um when I the more videos I post the more photos I post the more I sell um products off my website which I find so bizarre like I don't sure. even understand how that works mm -hmm. um but I appreciate the support and the, the love from anybody, you know, coming from anybody. Mm -hmm. um, because if they're inspired to, you know, buy the product from a random photo that has nothing to do with the product, um, then, you know, that's nice and I appreciate that. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, it's not, I'm not gonna hustle it. I'm not gonna mm -hmm. do more than I need. Um, because my goal is to make ends meet and then to keep releasing the work that I want to release. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, I when I publish a book, for example, it's like, I want to write the best possible version of my vision. Yeah. Um, and if there's a more sellable vision, if there's a more sellable version of that vision um, that might be more universal, more, I may or may not give a crap about it. Um, you know, when the, when before the tarot deck was, I did the Kickstarter and, um, well, I won't talk about that. Let me, I'm just going to say in general, um, um, throughout my, my career, um, selling my vision was always kind of hard because I just, I have this vision, you know, mm -hmm. and if it's not trending, then no one's going to buy it. Sure. And um, the one time that um, the vision I had was for the book, Bad Habits. I had an agent at the time and she sold it to an indie press and it was really awesome. We got a, a good advance and it was, you know, like um, it was really exciting. We had all these opening events at like Barnes and Noble and, you know, all the book things. And, yeah. um, and then I had put on my events. I put on like a punk show for it. I put on... And I was like, this is, you know, like, I kind of, I like the idea of being an artist or a writer, just feeling like I, I, it's like this, this job that keeps me steady and it's nice. And, 
And then the idea of like hustling to get more famous is like depressing to me. Mm. Like if I get more famous because of what I make appeals to more people, which is what happened with the next world tarot, then I'm just going to be very grateful and very, you know, happy. Mm -hmm. See what happens with the next product. I know yeah. like, I'm not gonna try to like, generate more from that success and then mm -hmm. like this is not me like um and i and i see i see if folks doing that and i see if um it's like if they're excited about it and if they're inspired mm -hmm. then that's fine but i'm just not inspired at all yeah. um to do something and it's funny because a lot of there's different like um tarot deck ideas that people have thrown at me and i'm just like you know, if I was commissioned to do it, but it's like, yeah, that's that's my job. That's my artisan right, um, right. trade. So just hire you stuff. for this. Then, I draw then people's in, ideas. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's hire me to draw, you know, it's like a publisher can commission me to do a tarot deck and I'll totally do that because it's mm -hmm. my job. Um, but it's not my passion and my vision. Like it'll become mm -hmm. my vision as, but it'll still be a commission no matter what. Yeah. Um, and there is two tarot ideas that um, may happen. Um, it's just that the next world tarot was created from love. Like I was in that community. Those are 78 people that I know. Um, yeah. Three three of them are like, I, I was a fan and I was at their event and I was like, let me take your picture after, you know, like, um, but, and then a couple, like three or four of them not many, just like, actually it was just like two of them, to be honest, um, sent me um, a bunch of selfies and I like pieced it together to do the image because we couldn't meet up, but I like really, really wanted these specific friends in the deck mm -hmm. um, because yeah, they were really excited to be in it too. So I was like, that's fine. I'll just like look through your Instagram. Um, but I wasn't gonna do that for everyone. Sure. Cause that is like, that's the bane of illustrator existence. And finding the right references. reference. Yeah. yeah, I hate it. I get, um, it's, I always tell my clients too, I'm like, I don't have the community that I used to. And it's fine. It's not like I'm, I'm like, I, it is sad sometimes, but it is true that I don't have um, the kind of like punk nightlife um, existence that I used to. Like I, I still go out. Um, but I can't randomly go up to everyone and be like, can I take your photo on the sidewalk? Because I don't know everyone anymore. Like right. I used to, it used to just be like, we all kind of knew each other and mm -hmm. everybody in my, my community grew up, grew out, you know? So now when I go out, it's just like me and my two friends and then a bunch of strangers sure. who I may or may not get to know, but I can't just randomly be like, oh, I got, I'm not doing, I got this job. I have to draw like three people of this identity, two people of this, they're all at this club. I'm going to go up to them and take their photo. Like I can't mm -hmm. do that. Um, yeah. So I've been looking up at a lot of stock photography and, and stuff like that. If clients can't send me photos or um, coordinate with people, if you know, if they're in New York city, it's awesome. Cause then I can like meet up and take yeah. photos of people in the collective if they want to represent the collective and they want a drawing of a, like right now I've had two jobs that people people with bullhorns and people with microphones um and um my most recent one the people of of the group sent me photos of themselves which was so awesome and it's like it's made the job like six million times um easier but but yeah i did the whole next world tarot um from people in my community they came over i took their photo i drew some of them like mm. you know just drew them from life and 
Um, and that's what I love to do. I love figure drawing and, um, but only if it's fun, it's very challenging. I'm not sure. going to draw 78 humans in a day. You know, I'm not going to draw how, 78 how long did images. It take you? Um, well, it's very, it was very um, bizarre. Um, the process that I took to create the deck was just like bizarre and long and like, it began with a, um, I was on Sister Spit tour, an all queer author tour in 2007. And um, Michelle T, the author, um, who's also a tarot reader. And since then she's she's doing a lot more um, tarot and witchy stuff in as her writing and her performance. But at the time, you know, she was this like iconic queer author and she wrote um, Valencia, and at the time, her new book was a no Rose of No Man's Land, and um, just really good um, books that I loved about queer punks and queer love and survival mm. and drugs and sex work and um, just all these queer um, punk community themes. And it was, you know, so this really important tour that fed my activist and queer feminist art life. Mm. Um, yeah but I was not spiritual at the time at all. Like I was, I, I would always say this and it happened. I would always say that I wasn't gonna get into like tarot and witch, witchy stuff. I had never even seen the craft. I just want to jump in here for a second and remind people that the Hermit's Lamp is also a store. So I have an online store and an in-person store in Toronto that sells over 400 tarot decks, 300 kinds of crystals, and incense, incense holders, candles, oils, and all the magical goodies you might want for whatever spiritual practice you were up to. I think we have great prices on stuff. Everything is sourced to the best of my ability to be authentic. And we offer pickup or in-store shopping when it's not COVID in Toronto. And we offer delivery just about anywhere in the world. So do me a favor. Next time you're thinking about stuff, drop by thehermitslamp.com. Check it out. See if we've got something you need there. Because I always appreciate that support. unless if it's through um, Santeria, because I'm uh, first generation Cuban American sure. and from Miami. And it's like, I grew up with so much of that spirituality being in the way of uh -huh. other spirituality. Um, and it's for a reason, it's powerful ancestral magic. And if it's part of your ancestry, and if it's also part of your, like, uh, and it's just a gift to like this w intuitive knowledge and this really wild um, magic that comes um, with that practice, 
Sure. Um, yeah. It's re- I just think it's really important um, to access it before anything else. I always just sure. felt like, well, you know, punk is my religion and anarchist organizing yeah. and, you know, all these, all this other stuff, mm-hmm. feminist poetry, you know. Um, but however, so I'm on this tour and Michelle T is giving everyone tarot readings. And I've got, I had, at that point, I had gotten uh, two readings in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and one I really wanted. And then the other one, I was at a party and this woman read my palm and it like turned me out and I chose to not believe what she said because it was so intense Mm. um I believe the first half because it was all real stuff about my parents and but then she gave me a prophecy and I was like you're wild I'm not gonna believe that and it totally is happening right now and it's happened over the last 20 years and um so it was very powerful palm reading um that it got me just thinking a lot, but I didn't, you know, I didn't obey it till my mm-hmm. late thirties. Um, and so uh, this tour with Michelle T, she was reading a lot and she was like, you know, I really want to do a death. I, I, it would be awesome if you illustrated it. Um, and there was so many other artists at the time who like would have just jumped on that. But there was something, there was something like binding us mm-hmm. and like, we kept touring together, we kept performing together. And I kept being like, I don't wanna do this, I'm not witchy. And then by 2009, um, she gave me another tarot card reading on tour again. Um, And at the time I was definitely the same, chasing toxic love. You know, my work is growing, I'm becoming really known, I'm becoming really like appreciated and like feminist punk spaces, but I'm not present for that journey because it's like my art is present, but my body is not mm-hmm. um, because I was just very traumatized by a relationship of my early 20s. And it had me like obsessed with love and like chasing these relationships that like reminded me of what the dream could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they were they all had these like toxic red flags that instead of, uh, you know, listening to these red flags, I was just like, no, you're the one. And I just uh-huh. chased these uh, relationships and ignored my work um, for a very long time. Um, but, and so Michelle T gave me this reading that was like, one day soon, you're gonna start the process of seeing the artists that other people see, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being this like wounded, you know, survivor. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what, so my zine um, <clears throat> evolved into, the later issues were all about um, sexual assault and sexual violence in radical communities. Mm. Um, And so talking about that um, because of my experiences became such a big part of my work. And that was healing and that was important. And I'm so proud of myself for having been able to do that. Um, And I'm so proud and I'm so grateful for the people that listened. Um, However, I, um, I just feel um, kind of exhausted with um, how it becomes your identity. Like the second mm-hmm. you talk about abuse, you know, it becomes um, mm-hmm. what people refer or, or like associate you with, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, sometimes I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm a survivor, I'm, I'm proud, blah, blah, blah. But then other times it's like, I have healed um, I want to focus, let's talk about the materials I use to make art. 
let's talk about my music and songwriting mm -hmm. and you know um let's talk about healing you know ancestral stuff and and family stuff yeah. and you know um like it's like the the topic of abuse and violence it's like once you talk about it in your work it's like everybody only wants to talk to you about that or publish you talking about that or yeah. they don't want to include you at all because you might call them out or like you might call out their friend and it's just in punk especially it's just like when you're like a feminist who called out her abuser in a zine a lot of people just are going to be like oh let's not deal with her yeah, yeah. that's a lot you know and um i just felt that narrative um and i thought you know those specific walls were bullshit but then the walls that i was creating for myself um were just uh you know just really um difficult for my own healing and my own growth um as a person and as an artist and as you know um so anyways, that was a big tangent about all that stuff, but um, I think, back yeah, to I mean, the tarot deck. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Well, number one, I think it's interesting that, uh, that you got kind of got pulled into it, you know? Right? Yeah. And, and I think yeah, it's yeah, interesting yeah, it was very... for me, right? So I'm crowned to Shango, right? I've been in, involved in Santeria for, you know, over 20 years now, right? And the deck I made was actually the, an Arisha deck, right? So um, so I find it always fascinating where people like sort of intersect around things, right? Um, but I'm also really curious about this sort of idea of like, and I, and I feel like this ties back to what we were talking about a bit earlier about the punk stuff is like, how do we identify with things? Where is there space for us to change that identity? And as you were talking about the stuff around abuse, you know, and for people who, you know, suffer with abuse and trauma and whatever, that question of like, how do we, what can we do to define ourselves in relationship to that? And how do we contend with those forces that want to define us by it instead of inquiring about how we want to relate to it, you know? So, yeah, I find all of those things fascinating and complicated and challenging you know um yeah i think i definitely um think that the the progress like how the deck came to be um was very much in tandem to that healing mm -hmm. um it's kind of what i was saying before that it was this bizarre process so after i told michelle like all right fine i'll do the deck i'll it, like you know it's an illustration commission <clears throat> it's totally what it felt like and in the beginning it was like um, I was just going to draw a lot of queer punks. This is one, the Page of Wands was a, mm -hmm. one of those images. And then also the Page of Wands, Temperance. It's like these images of our friends and our community. This is Mimi Wen, an, uh, an author and activist is the Page of Wands. And then um, Heather Cousins is Temperance and she's a musician and front woman and, and a bartender and just like a nightlife person. And so it's like all these queer punk community people mm -hmm. um and I had only drawn like five five of them and they all looked like um the original Rider Waite um Pamela Coleman Smith's illustrations mm -hmm. um and Michelle was gonna write the definitions and we were just gonna do it you know one by one 
And in the meantime, she was looking for a publisher. We were looking for an agent to work with and nobody wanted it. Everybody was just like, this is not going to sell. This is, sure. you know, it's too queer. It's too radical. Christie's art is a little sad. Look, like it's, yeah, I like things to look like a little bit morose, like beautiful colors, but like a, like a, like a morose vibe, people's mm -hmm. expressions, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it just feels more realistic. And I don't know, I'm a cancer moon. I don't know. Um, but either way, it was a very long, difficult journey because right after, like a year after agreeing to do the deck with her, um, my then partner uh, broke up with me and we were like bandmates and I, I was just convinced this was the one, we were going to have babies next year. And I would tell the other bandmates, like, when we have babies, and we can we take them on tour? My my bandmates were always just like, "You're crazy. We are not taking children on tour." And we used to take um our drummer's poodle, and I was like, "Well, we take the poodle." And you know, <laughs> so it was just like I had this whole image of what my life was gonna be um yeah. relationship, and and that didn't happen. That didn't you know? It's like like um he wanted a totally different um he was on another journey, and I was on another journey, and. Um, I really care about this person and I really hope that they're living, you know, things are happening in their life that are healing and, and magical. And I, I love everybody of that whole era. Like, um, but when it happened, I was so sad and pit. I was like done with life. I was mm. done with, I, I cut off all my hair. I stopped dressing the way I dressed. I like, I stopped listening to Green Day and they had like this whole trilogy album release and it was like three albums. And I just, I didn't know how to enjoy it. I would like try to listen to it and I would start crying. And it was mm -hmm. just like the same relationship that I ended up having with the the punk bands that I listened to um, during an abusive relationship of when I was 19. And so this relationship wasn't abusive. The, 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 the one during the tarot creation, it, it was just, I was just so obsessed with it. And um, this person, like our, our, it was like dramatic. And then they ghosted me and then we went to therapy, you know, like it was just very like, it was like a, a really good queer drama, but it was very emotional and it took over my life and it, and it owned um, my self-esteem, my relationship to the past. And, and it's like, at the end of the day, I was trying to grieve or I was trying to heal from this really fucked up stuff that happened when mm -hmm. I was uh, 1920. So it was like the breakup, the ending of, of the band and the partnership. And, you know, that was around, I was, I was like two years into the deck, but like I, I was working so slowly because it just wasn't in me. Like I, I needed to extract something mm -hmm. um, in order to be inspired. Um, and so I was also, um, I always overlapped my projects and I was finishing um, Spit and Passion, a graphic novel at the time, which was about uh, Green Day and being in the closet as a, you know, as a tween and um, feeling like this like very jaded old man at the time and, and not relating to my age, my culture, like, you know, and it being this, this paradox, queerness being this sad paradox for Latinas. And, um, and so that's what Spit and Passion is about, my book from 2012. Um, but my, my favorite story is the release event at Brooklyn Museum, fucking awesome, such an amazing privilege, such an honor. Feminist Press who released the book did so much work in the PR, 
in mm-hmm. the events, the release events, like they did so much for me and I'm so grateful, but they knew they were also like so nice to me because they knew I was so depressed. And I, it was like, I was unable to see the value in my work, to see the value in the book, to see the value in the tarot deck I was working on. Like, and so I was just so sad. And so the, the book release happens in the Brooklyn museum. And all I could think about was that my ex was there. I was like, Oh my God, we're going to, get together you know it's like we're gonna reconnect it's gonna be magical and I didn't even meet Brooklyn Museum people and now I go to the Brooklyn Museum and I'm like god I was such a like sad bitch like not it's fine like and you know I I needed that era because so what what came from that was um ancestral magic and, and Santeria and and this like deep reconnection um to um my my cultural upbringing that wasn't just, you know, calling up my abuela, like calling up visiting family, you know, it wasn't about that. It was about really deep soul work mm, um, yeah. and ancestral work. And I was living with um, really amazing um, black femme queer witches who changed my life and they're all on the deck. One of them is right here next to me. There's a drawing of her right next to me two of them actually um and we lived together for like about seven years and so it was just this magical coven of like black and brown ancestral energy and knowledge and just sharing so much and it was it was just like, like you said like it just the, this magic just enters your life and I was sad about love so all of my guides and random people on the street it was so awesome it was such a time they were all like oh Shun wants to help you oh Shun oh Shun but then my roommate was like, I'm going to make an altar for Alegua by the door, if you don't mind. And that altar's still there. Like she hasn't lived here in 10 years, maybe, but mm-hmm. the altar is definitely still there because it's just like, this came to me for a reason. And this is magic that I needed to work with. Yeah. Um, and it totally, you know, my life, my life just changed. I stopped being between a bunch of limpiezas, a bunch of work years, you know, seven years, like a long ass time of doing this work. And I'll never forget, um, I went on a writer's retreat in 2013 and it was amazing. Um, I was sharing a room with Brontes Purnell, who's another amazing uh, queer author. And um, his his new book, 100 Boyfriends is like, you know, it's blowing up in the world and I'm so proud of him. But we were like these sad, we were just sad babies. And we had, we were, we had the only room in the retreat with a balcony and I thought they gave it to us so we can smoke pot. And then I found out pot wasn't allowed. And it was just like, I just felt like a teenager, but I was like definitely like 32. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just like, you know, it was hard times, but like we were both like sharing a room with him. It was, it was just so meaningful because we were both so inspired to for our project. You know, that's what we were there for, to like make a project that we were yeah. like super inspired by. And um, I was working on Next World Tarot and most of the cards that I drew on the retreat did not make it onto the deck mm-hmm. except for the pencil sketch of death and death made it onto onto um, the deck mm-hmm. and that was the only one I did on the retreat that made it on and the other I didn't the other ones didn't make it the other ones were just two Pamela Coleman Smith they were like or just not drawn well mm-hmm. like I just the in death I loved the drawing and I loved um, and, um, you know, it was just like a, a really weird moment, um, where I was like, I need to get over this X. I need to get over this past. I need to get over 
like seeing myself as just a survivor. I need to yeah. get over all that in order for me to do this deck with my full heart and intention and like ancestral magic. And I want to put intention towards um, the people I want to represent. I want to represent people of color. I want to represent queer people. I want to represent disabled people. I want to represent my community, but then I also want to represent um, past generations and, mm -hmm. and older folks and children. I want to represent all the generations. So it's just kind of like, how can I, I can't just draw my punk friends, like, you know, right. um, so I just, the whole, the whole experience of doing the deck just completely changed. And then I, I, I enrolled in grad school at FIT in the illustration program. And it was so awesome. This very accessible, affordable um, state school. It's a, a, a fashion Institute of technology mm -hmm. of New York. And they have an illustration program and it's just such a fashion school that at first I was like, how is this real? But all the teachers were just so amazing and just like, it changed my, it's such an amazing program, um, the FIT illustration master's program. And I just really wanted to teach. I was like, I wanna do this deck. I wanna do the deck in grad school so I can get direction about illustration. Cause I, I, I miss that, you know, I like, mm -hmm. I love figure drawing but like I haven't taken a figure drawing class in almost 20 years. So it'd be nice to like have one. Yeah. Um, and um, or at the time it wasn't 20 years. At the time it was like 12 maybe. But yeah, so it was just kind of um, this really important experience to like help me reconnect uh, with illustration and not just be this like Christy Road, the Christy Road legacy, you know, of like writing about abuse and writing about punk. I needed to just see this like esoteric spiritual project as a piece of art and not as a piece of my uh, legacy. Like I, cause it was, it was the first non-memoir I ever did. Right. Um, I've ever done. And um, yeah, this is, it's like, so, um eventually you know long story short michelle t i started working on her book um guide to the modern tarot um and she we parted ways because it's like our visions just you know like her vision was guide to the modern tarot and then my vision was this the next world tarot queer ancestral magic yeah it was next world tarot and it was, it was originally called end of the world as we know it or end uh -huh. of the world tarot but that's so morbid Mm -hmm. And Michelle actually was like, what about like future or next, next? And we were like, next world. Like, you know, so it was just like really magical collaboration yeah. still, you know, like her energy, like really pushed me to um, believe in the project at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so now, um, like, or not now, but, you know, after we parted ways, it was by at this point, it's like 2000 and. 16 or 15 2015 mm -hmm. and I um um realized like all right well I'm not going to get a publisher I'm not going to get more student loans I just need money to finish this and I um I did a kickstarter um to pay for funding the deck and then to to you know pay my rent for yeah. a couple months and it's like between you know, the original date of starting 2010, when I was in that relationship and the world felt like my oyster. Um, 2010, between 2010 and 2015, so five years, 
I did like, I did like 10 cards mm -hmm. that I ended up keeping about 10. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after I did the Kickstarter, I just like cranked them out like a real illustrator. Nice. Um, like a real, you know, I'm just like, I, I do a draw. Like a person with a, a deadline. Yeah, like a drawing like Page of Wands, which is right next to me for everyone listening. Um, I'm pointing at it like a commercial on TikTok. But yeah, the, the Page of Wands, for example, like a full color, 11 by 14, all the original pieces were between 18 by 24 and 11 by 14, but most of them were 11 by 14. Um, and it's um, paint, marker, and ink. It takes me about three days, like a day of inking, a day of coloring, and then a day of like obsessing over it. Yeah. Um, and then the pencil, the pencil drawing also takes hours usually because I'm trying to capture a likeness. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it'll take five minutes because the likeness will come naturally. Yeah. And for some reason, um, so yeah, like I could do it. Like I am be between grad school and between like, I just love that energy. It's that mm -hmm. New York vibe of like, we are here to work. That nice. is why we moved here. And yeah. I really, yeah, I really love that. I really love just pushing myself to finish it. And I did the Kickstarter. I had a lot of friends help me. Mm -hmm. um, that was the thing with, with this era that's very different from my life right now. My life after the release was I had so much um, physical present community. Like I wasn't dating anyone. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that like, like intensity. I just had a lot of friends hanging out around all the time. And then I had like my ride or dies. I had my roommates. I had, you know, like, it's like everything was just really full of people, like mm -hmm. badass, mostly people of color, like queer people of colors, energy mm -hmm. and magic and intentions all around me all the time. And, um, and then I had one best friend who um, was kind of like this huge cheerleader, like my roommate also, who I was just talking about. Um, and so these friends who are actually the King of Swords and my roommate was the chariot. Mm -hmm. um, those two friends were just like, they were just like, I don't think the deck would have happened without them, to yeah. be honest, um, Avery and Gina. And, um, and you know, like Gina moved away, Avery and I have drifted apart. Like uh, it's like all the, yeah. a lot of the friendships of the deck either just drifted apart or, you know, and it's it's very sad and it's painful. But at the time, it was my life was just like party every day, slumber party every night, like forever. So like the duration of creating the deck, um, mm -hmm. and that really, really pushed me, and that really inspired me, and um, that between that and then the constant practice of ancestral magic, like, and now I do my rituals. Um, it's like every Friday. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday all are for a different Orisha. And then, you know, there's regular visits to the ocean, regular visits to uh, regular rituals for like Caridad de Cobre, like all of the, I got to do all of the like ancestral Cuban shit. Cause I, if I don't, I start obsessing over stuff in like, right. I obsessing, I start obsessing over what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's like, Sometimes I catch myself obsessing over what could go right and things that are exciting mm -hmm. and that's fun. But then it feels like I, I did an, a stimulant drug or something and I need to do some kind of grounding work and that's yeah. fine. Grounding work. It's like go for a walk, 
you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's hang interesting out with some... how when we get the right set of spiritual practices, whatever those might be, you know, everything just sort of shifts in a way that makes makes what we want to do so much easier, right? You know, yeah, I think that that's, yeah. And it doesn't even have to be like super complicated or whatever, right? Like it's just, yeah, you know. I'm it's like, oh, funny yeah. because when I tell people about um, how Santeria entered my life and, you know, you mentioned Chango earlier and he was, I used to love a song about him because uh-huh. I thought the song was funny because it like the lyrics were funny. Um, it's about white guy, a white guy that goes to a party and eats the banana off Chango's altar and the okay. abuela is like, oh, I don't eat the banana. And it's like this hilarious song yeah. and I loved it as a kid. And um i i was like oh who's chango and there was just something about his energy and how he is represents all these different genders represents all these different identities but then is like this wounded healer mm-hmm. um and so i just one of the more that i read about him the more he seemed um like my ex and there was all these elements like fire elements the animals he relates to like all these things were like oh my god but it was it was a legua like pushing me to connect with him and it was like all these tricks and I just kind of feel like so now in my life I've learned how to navigate you know what is a, a trick um that is making me wiser mm-hmm. and then what is a trick because I'm not following you know I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. letting the darkness get to me and I'm making bad decisions I'm chasing bad decisions and um I learned so much from from that whole era of making the deck because it, it involved the deepest, you know, um, like connections becoming really real and existing beyond the, the like idealistic punk community, anarchist community um, that, you know, that I chased, that Green Day talked about in the beginning of their career. And I was like, that's the family I need you know, queer musicians loving each other Mm -hmm. and like giving each other, letting each other stay at their house because of trust. And, you know, there was this really beautiful trust element with punk and traveling, you know, for such a huge chunk of my life. And now I'm not like that. I'm like, I'm not going to let a bunch of smelly dudes that I've never met stay at my house. I have to get to know, we have to at least go out to dinner first. Like, I'm just really like, my I'm my I have just it's like I'm angry at the amount of walls that I've had to build to mm. protect myself from stuff like um sexual violence, racism, sexism, um weird misogynist like un like misogynist tones that like facilitate a lot of punk scenes that are yeah. supposedly feminist, but it's like they're not feminist, they're just silencing loud women who who are like but they're like elevating a certain kind of way of being a woman and um it's very annoying um and i feel like these are all like paradigms created by by punk men who have done amazing work um but it's like they let that work into their head and they create institutions and it's a very annoying and so yeah in order to just move away from that and just really um exist independently of that i really needed this whole experience of creating the deck and of um, connecting to my ancestral magic and becoming that above all else, you know, becoming this, this multifaceted person with like a lot of culture, whether it's um, rock and roll or Cuban or 
um, you know, all the things a- ancestral secrets that I'm not even going to talk about, you know, because of the root of Santeria being this like um, practice that all the people who were brought to Cuba after the transatlantic slave trade, West African people, um, had to practice this, you know, had to merge the Yoruba deities with Catholic deities in order to not um, get killed or get, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like, because they had to practice it in secret, I don't really think it's, it's fair um, for mixed, you know, mixed ancestry Cubans like me and millions of other people who practice this. Um, I don't think it's fair for us to like be all like flashy and wild on TikTok with like our, you know, our things because it's it's like, well, you know, I, I think I think a, a level of secrecy is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, oh, I, I actually, so I, I forgot to say this, that before launching the Kickstarter and finishing the deck and like becoming grounded in it, I got rid of all social media. Um, and that was kind of what I was talking about as far as keeping it secret. Like my whole process of connecting to this magic and developing my rituals and it, it was all done in my community. Mm-hmm. And I don't talk about it online. I'm not gonna talk about um, the things that I do. I would talk about it in a forum that I knew was exclusive to like people who are practicing that magic and honoring it and, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm just not, I'm not trying to do a show about um, my sacred practices. I'm just trying to, make art, release it and share it with the world. And, um, you know, and that goes in line with like the punk ethos of um, uh, creating, yeah. I'm gonna, I, you know, I, the music I make is about fun and, you know, you're gonna go to the rock concert and dance. I write a lot of love songs and I write a lot of, you know, stuff that I hope people dance to, but um, that's, that's not what my art is about. My mm-hmm. art is so much about healing and education um, and yeah, like fun and rock and roll and not giving a shit like that could be healing. But I just mean in a literal sense, yeah. the subject matter of my art is always going to be um, this more like laborious um, educational social justice uh, sure. vessel. It asks, it asks more of people who engage with them, right? Which is one of the reasons why I think it's such a great voice. Well, we've kind of hit the end of our, our time here today even though I feel like maybe there's more stuff we could continue to talk about because I think there's so many interesting things surrounding you and your work and your process. But um, you're not really on social media very much. So, so you're saying, where should people- Well, I'm on it. I'm on Instagram. You're on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle? It's CrowdCore, C-Roadcore. And um, C-R-O-A-D-C-O-R-E. And it's that for Twitter, for Facebook, and my website is crowdcore.org. And um, I just don't, I'll post like, maybe there's a day I post three things and then I won't post for a week and then I'll post something. Um, I kind of treat it like a, like a portfolio. I'm like, Uh if you stumble upon it, look at all my stuff, but that like up to the minute existence, Mm -hmm. I really don't want to participate in because it drains me. Yeah, and it makes totally me feel fair. like I'm not the mysterious cancer rising um, punk rock illustrator that I um, sought out to be mm-hmm. um, in 1996 when I published the zine and didn't include any photos of myself. Awesome. 
Well, thank you for hanging out with me today and chatting. I've really enjoyed thank you. hanging out with you. And yeah, definitely everybody should go check it out and go check out the deck if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, it's some really Yeah, the repress stuff. is no mid-November. Mid-November. So probably just around the time this will be coming out then. So yeah, perfect. Cool. Timing. All right. Cool. friends that brings us to the end of this episode i certainly hope that you've enjoyed it please do jump over and support the transcription process through buy me a coffee and so on as i mentioned in the beginning uh, other ways that you can support the podcast are by sharing it with people you know who would dig it uh it's really difficult to get reach on social media these days so uh you know share it to your story share it wherever uh, or just tell people about it podcast was originally intended for uh, six consecutive weeks this term. However, I had some scheduling issues, uh, so there will actually be a one-week gap before I return with the remaining episodes. Uh, coming up next will be uh, Eric Perdue, who, amongst other things, is releasing a new translation uh, of some amazing old magical books. And after that will be uh, Lon Milo Duquette, who was uh, one of the first guests on this podcast way back when I started over 10 years ago now. See you soon, and thanks as always for supporting the podcast.